We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we got a special guest with us today. Nobody better to talk to about Bulls misery and about maybe how to fix this thing somehow than Steph No of the Sporting News. Steph, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. You know, I just uh, made an appearance last week on GN Sports, uh, oh, Friends of the Podcast. And I was telling uh, Jared Payton, like, my favorite episode from that show. So when you went on there and made Jared cry because of how badly you were ripping the bulls. <laughs> and uh, I feel like they had me on there. I was like the middle reliever. You know, things are are bad for sure. But when things get really dire, Ricky, you're the closer and you got to go back there and uh, bring some more tears on that show. (laughs) And you know, Steph, that was during the peak of the Jim Boylan era. And I find myself thinking a lot about the Boylan era as I watch this team because the Bulls have not been this bad since that time in the franchise's history. After losing to the Boston Celtics on Tuesday night, the Bulls are now 5-14. and 14. They've lost eight of their last nine games. They've only won once since Zach Levine, you know, requested a trade in the most Midwestern way possible and told the Bulls that he would like to be elsewhere. And the Bulls told him, we'd also like you to be elsewhere, Zach. And <laughs> since then, the season has all but fallen apart. Jason, since the last time we, we have recorded the Bulls have gone 0-4 on this West Coast road trip. They lost to the Thunder, a relatively competitive game. Uh, if a 14-point loss counts as a competitive game for the Bulls this season. Without Zach Levine in the lineup, they lose 116-102. After that, the Bulls lose to Toronto, 121-108. Then they fall to Brooklyn, 118-109 in a game the Nets set a season high and made three-pointers against the Bulls. And then the Bulls... Of course, getting smoked by Boston last night. The only interesting part of that game was the Bulls complaining 
about Boston's tactics in terms of ensuring the blowout. Of course, Boston was uh, incentivized to win by 23 or more points so they could advance to the next round of the play-in tournament or of the in-season tournament. Boston did that. Uh, Billy Donovan, Joe Missoula got into a little spat on the sidelines after Andre Drummond was intentionally fouled while the team was up 32 points. The Celtics, I never seen that before in basketball, but it's a new, it's a new game with the in-season tournament. So Jace Bulls suck. What else is new? Uh, how you feeling about the team after this that, recent that track? they do, they suck. The apathy is in. It's really hard to even be mad at this point. Uh, although like today there was a lot of good anger going around Bulls media, just a lot of good stuff from Darnell Mayberry at the athletic, our guy, Will Gottlieb at CHGO, even KC is like, yeah, I mean, this, everything's got to change here. Uh, a little more muted, maybe not quite as pointed in the, uh, uh, criticism towards our church conference. I mean, Darnell, he was the first piece I read that in. He was pretty savage today, like talking about how, like. If you're looking at the mirror, like you're not going to like what's looking back. And like he basically questioned if AK was blind <laughs> uh, because AK did speak. He gave like a two sentence comment uh, the other day before the Celtics game about how he's uh, whatever frustrated and disappointed, but he takes accountability and he sees what we all see and yada, yada, yada. It's like, uh, do you though? That basically Darren Elsing was like, do you actually see this? And again, that you wrote something at SBNation.com today as well. Uh, based on that great that great picture of Jalen Brown dunking all over the Bulls with Zach Levine just kind of looking, staring off into space, just like totally lost. A great summation of this garbage team right now. And they're awful. I mean, yeah, not competitive uh, in the Celtics game. The Nets game, hilarious because they went up 21 points in the first quarter. They made like eight of their first 10 threes or some shit like that. Uh, they were down by double digits by the end of the second quarter. Uh, by halftime, they were losing by eight. The second half, they got their ass beat. So it, it was like the the re- reverse Miami game where the Bulls were down 22 to one or whatever it was. They come back and win. But this time, the Nets basically came back by the second quarter and then beat their ass in the second half. The Raptors game, they got their ass beat in that one. Uh, not even the Trashers could blow that one. And then the Thunder game was actually, as you said, surprisingly competitive. They were... And I think they were within a, like a single possession, maybe late in the fourth, and they still lost by 14 points. So like still double did it. So it's just a totally disastrous road trip as this totally disastrous season comes, uh, keeps chugging along here as we just wait for trades. Uh, the in-season tournament thing was hilarious with that, the, the bang a drum, as I like to call that now, instead of hack a drum and I like calling it the bang a drum uh, and the, the bulls whining about it. Uh, just like, whatever you're losers. Maybe you could have like been within, 15 points for more than 10 minutes of the game, which they weren't. They were down double digits in the first quarter. Literally, were down double digits the rest of the game. Pure ass whooping, which I think we all expected, given the Celtics were incentivized to win that game. And the Bulls were 0-3 in the in-season tournament and 0-4, and they scored the fewest points about among any team, among all 30 teams in the in-season tournament. They had the fewest points scored overall. I believe they were third worst in terms of point differential, so they weren't quite the worst overall in the in-season tournament. But they were pretty damn close. Uh, so yeah, the Bulls suck, as you said, and Steph has put together a nice little list of all the reasons why the Bulls suck. So Steph, how about you, you don't have to go through the whole thing if you don't want, but maybe name a few of your favorite reasons why this team sucks or the biggest reasons, whatever you want to do here. Welcome again. Always love having you on. I turn it over to you about why this Bulls team really sucks. Yeah. I don't know how much interest there is, uh, given that. I mean, we everybody knows this team sucks. <laughs> and we we knew that there was going to be some struggles. I mean, even before a single game was played. Some of the stuff is more surprising, though. 
I think uh, one of the big reasons is that DeMar and Vooch have just slid down this aging curve. I mean, their decline has been so precipitous. Vooch especially. I mean, his post-ups have just been totally awful. Uh, settling for a lot of fadeaways. I mean, he never gets to the line, as we know. Um, and his three-point shooting, he's down to 27% this year, last time I checked. Brutal. Uh, a couple days it might ago. even be lower than that now. He isn't. He's. I feel like he's hit like one three in the last two, two weeks. Yeah, and uh, a result of that is that you know I've talked to you guys before about how the Bulls run like pretty decent sets. Like they run similar sets to what everybody else in the league does. Their problem is that they don't execute those sets well, and they're they're running plays to take advantage of Vooch's three point shooting. It's wide open on the three point line a lot, and he's not even looking at the basket. He's just looking to take a dribble, hand off to the next guy, and you're not really creating an advantage when you do that. You know, you're just like killing a couple seconds of the shot clock. So, I mean, that that is hugely detrimental, not only to Vooch, but to the offense in general. Uh, also, like Ricky, you pointed this out the other day that he's lost a step on defense when he could not afford to lose even like a quarter of a step. I mean, he had such a thin margin for being last year. I mean, he was he was OK. Like, I mean, he's never going to be an awesome defender, but he was getting the job done at least. Um, and he's just been getting blown by. Like when you're a big man and these ball screen plays, you cannot give up the corner to guards. That is just death. And he's doing that every single time. They're just going right around him on drives. And I think that's been a big reason why the defense has totally fallen apart. I think another reason why the defense is so bad, uh, that people aren't really talking about is the bulls made a ton of shots last year. Like they, their problem offensively was not, that they were missing shots. It was that they were taking the wrong shots. So they tried to change that this year by taking more threes. Uh, and what's happened is like the ball is just not going in the basket as much. And when that happens, when teams are playing off rebounds, off live rebounds, your defense isn't going to be set nearly as much. And I think that's been a big problem for the Bulls. It's just like that their defense always was like kind of bad and we knew that, but they were able to finish fifth or whatever last year just because they were forcing the team to inbound it a lot. Um, so I think that's something that hasn't been talked about at all, but I think that is probably a contributing factor. Um, another big thing on the defensive end that I've seen is, I mean, Vooch said this the other night that the decline is communication based that whatever Zach's not honoring the call. He didn't say Zach, but he's <laughs> definitely, definitely. It was either Zach or Zach DeMar. Yeah, I, I think there was a play. I think there was a play recently where I think Zach got back cut. I can't remember which game it was, and you saw Zook, Zook, Vooch like throw his arm up, just like what the fuck was that? Like what happened here? I can't remember what game that was, but that definitely and happened. I mean, it recently. happens every single night. Yeah, like yeah. you see wide open three point shooters, and that should never happen. And like if you watch other games, that doesn't happen. Like that happens because somebody really screwed up. Somebody was not on the same page with coverages. And that happens like 10 or 15 times a game when you're watching the Bulls. It's totally crazy. Uh, we'll have this great story during the preseason. Will Gottlieb over at CHGO about Torrey Craig saying that the Bulls were the quietest team he'd ever played on. And as soon as I heard that, that was like a gigantic red flag to me. I was like, that is that is going to be a problem down the line because defense is totally based on communication. Caruso, you can hear him on the broadcast from the bench and he's the only one talking. It's just not going to work. Um, and I actually agree with Vooch that, you know, it's usually the big man's job to make those calls on ball screens on what they're going to do. So even if he, what he's saying is wrong, you know, even if he says like, we're not switching and the best play is to switch, you still have to listen to him. 
because executing a bad scheme well is going to always be better than not executing the right scheme. Um, so I think that like the Bulls are just they're they're taking these game plans into their own hands, and everybody, you know, all five guys have a different idea of what the best plan is. Um, yeah, and the last thing I wanted to mention. Now you guys are uh, giving me this this little uh, soapbox. Is uh, Billy had a quote the other day where he said, "You know, I never think that Zach Levine is capable of taking a bad shot. Like any shot he takes, basically, is a good shot." And I read that and I was like, "What the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, we've watched this guy for however many years, and like that's been Zach's biggest problem. You know, like he's an awesome scorer. I, I don't want to like crap on his game or anything, but like." He definitely takes a lot of bad shots every single game. And like the whole thing with him is like, you know, the coaching staffs have been trying to cut out those two or three bad shots. And and you see it all the time now. I mean, his efficiency has plummeted. Um, he's he's really good at that. Like he's really good at making bad shots. But you know, you see him just like dribble the ball out and take these like triple teamed mid-range fadeaways. Um and, and he'll I pass that, up like, good ones. Like you'll come yeah. off a screen and he'll like get the ball, take the open three. No, I'm going to dribble into the mid range shot and shoot the contested one. Right. And that's what I went back to where, you know, Billy's running these plays to get him good looks, but he's just like, he's a, he's a rhythm player. He wants to dribble and, you know, whatever, get, get into whatever spot he wants. But to me, like when I saw Billy say that, that was a sign that, you know, I really do think that. I think it's a cliche to say that a coach has lost a team. Like people go to that saying way too much. But when you're, when you know that these guys have weaknesses and you know that your best chance to win is to try to mitigate those and you're just like throwing your hands up in the air and saying, well, you know, just take whatever shot you want. To me, that's just like, this is, this is totally hopeless at this point. And I mean, another example I know you were bringing up in our, the group chat that we have with Vooch on defense. I think, I think it was you. Uh, well, the Nets went like five out after that, whatever. That's how they got back in the game, which is bombing yeah. threes, attacking Vooch, putting the getting the Bulls just way out of whack defensively. And they just kept doing it. And you were like, they got to bench Vooch. Like they, they, they're they they're just running these plays and screens and getting guys wide open for threes. And they won't do it. Like Vooch played like 37 minutes that game. I think Billy finally did like bench kind of bench Vooch for like a some for a bad stint yesterday against the Celtics. He played like a couple minutes stint and then he got then he pulled him. But it's like they like Billy likes they, they like to say he's like a player friendly coach. And our guy Matt, we were friendly Bulls blogger at Bloggable, has also been kind of ha- banging this drum about how like whatever Billy's this player's coach, but that means like he's just like kind of letting his guys do whatever they want and like not really like, showing any or not having like any accountability. The Zach stuff taking whatever any shot Zach takes is a fine shot. Vooch not whatever pulling him if they're going to be running like whatever they're doing the same stuff over and over and just getting open threes all the time it's like at some point you got to try something different and he's just kind of like eh whatever uh i know you say he is like i I know you've you've been kind of like a billy defender i know i feel like a a lot of people want billy gone and at this point i'm like whatever i've never been a huge billy defender but like at this point like the way the things are going just fire him like there what what is even the point but uh, you've been a bill, I think, a Billy defender in terms of like a lot of people say, Oh, he runs no offense, yada yada yada. Like, you, you've said it here, like, they they are trying to run some stuff, they just don't run it very well. Uh, and in that, and if that's the case, you probably should fire him, anyways. Um, so yeah, at this point, like, what is your, I guess, in terms of the Billy thing, like, would you just be fine moving on from him now? Uh, because uh, allegedly, according to KC, 
the front office they love and they respect Billy and Casey brings it up every time but how much the the front office respects Billy Donovan and that he's not going anywhere he signed this secret extension so like it doesn't seem like that's going to change at all and it's going to be the players I think we all think the players need the change where are you on Billy right now should they just unload him too or maybe he'll just quit I guess if they do start trading guys but uh, where are you on that whole situation well, you're right that I have been a Billy apologist. Um, I mean, I don't. I certainly don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think he's an elite coach. Um, but I do think that a lot of the job of coaching is getting the buy-in from your players. Like yeah. I think that's why Fred Hoiberg was also really bad. Like I think he's a good coach, but he just never had that buy-in from his players, especially Jimmy. So you know, once you've lost that, you know, um, I think it was Larry Bird that said. You basically have like a three-year window with players before they start tuning you out. So, you know, maybe that's happening with Billy now. I don't really know. Certainly, like, we know just watching the results on the court that yeah. it's just, this just isn't it. Uh, but, you know, they're on pace for like 21 or 22 wins. I saw that in uh, Will's story at CHGO today. I think that if they got a new coach, I mean, what are they going to go up to? Right. You know, like 27 wins? Yeah. Like, who I, cares? I, I think there's some people who think that like, oh, if the Bulls fire Billy and they bring in some offensive guru that they're all of a sudden not going to find it and like be better like yeah maybe yeah, they'll that's, win that's not happening <laughs> yeah like i don't think Zach's like, not good yeah like, i don't think zach's gonna all of a sudden be like oh yeah like i know like whatever zach seems to be done with billy uh there was obviously the stuff about that benching last whatever last year like, that is the one time like billy tried to hold zach accountable and it went poorly and so he's just kind of like let him go since uh but yeah, I, I don't think Zach's all of a sudden be like, oh, yeah, we got a new coach in here. Like, I'm going to stay. I'm going to all of a sudden, like, be happy with where I'm at. No, like, maybe you get, like, the brief coach, fired coach bump. But I can't, I mean, at this point, the the, the we know the roster problems. And some coach might squeeze out a few more wins, like, than Billy would. But is it going to be meaningfully different? Almost certainly not. <clears throat> this is the real question. And I want to I wanna pose this to Ricky. I uh, have some receipts here. This is a... Uh... A tweet that I read on the site formerly known as Twitter. Arturis Karasovas is too slow, too lazy, and too unambitious to have this job. Bulls can fire him in five years when he botches the next rebuild or just get it over with now. He ain't it. So this was uh, by a great Bulls mind, one Ricky O'Donnell. Ricky, tell me what you really think about AK. You know, I kept writing the word dumb and deleting it. (laughs) What I keep coming back to with Arturis, and this was was sort of triggered by what Casey Johnson wrote today at NBC Sports Chicago, and I got it up, so I'll read it. He said, trading Levine is the main organizational focal point for now. In fact, league sources said that, at least for now, Karnaschovas is responding to inquiries on other players by saying he wants to see what the roster looks like post-Levine trade first. To me, that is just a sign that this guy has no clue what to do next. I don't think that he is like has some master plan in mind of how to save this thing. I think for Arturis from the very start, he told us what he wanted. He wanted continuity. He wanted to keep this group together. He thought they were good enough to, you know, consistently make the playoffs or after Lonzo went down, at least compete for the playoffs, get in the play in tournament and to the bulls, just qualifying for the playoffs would be a big success. Despite the fact that they traded so many future assets and spent uh, so much of their future cap space just to achieve that lowly goal. And now, obviously, it's blown up in their face. And when you listen to AK talk, when you evaluate him on his moves, when you think about the 
you know, the things he could have done that he didn't pull the trigger on. I just can't get around the fact that the guy doesn't know ball. He doesn't seem like someone who is a hard worker. He doesn't seem like someone who is creative. He seems mostly lazy and, like I said, unambitious and just not that intelligent. So I'm not saying that like Arturis Karnaschovas would score poorly on the math section of the (laughs) SAT. I'm saying that he has no plan for how to save this thing. He's never really had one beyond the initial building of the roster. And for the Bulls, the best way to really step out of the hole that they've dug themselves in for this era would be to change the front office. And you could say that maybe it's not fair to evaluate a front office after only, what, three, four years. You could say that, you know, the Bulls were in a terrible position when they hired Arturis, that he had to, you know, climb them out of the hole of the Jim Boylan era in that, you know, the Bulls probably didn't hire him when he went into the meeting and said, oh, we're going to be bad for five more years and I'm just going to draft better than the other idiots you had here before. Uh, You could make some excuses for him. But what I've seen is just inflexibility. I've seen a total lack of creativity. And I've seen a guy who doesn't even really consider asking questions about the roster. He seems to have very low standards. He seems to be very self-satisfied. One thing that I was thinking about today is I've been trying to uh, piece together a Levine column and a Bulls column is that on the night of the draft this past year, as Nikola Vucevic was heading towards free agency, Arturis was asked about the Vucevic trade. And Arturis said, I think that trade was a success for us. He then proceeded to give Nikola Vucevic a three-year, $60 million contract. Fully guaranteed. I to say that there is not another single person within the NBA that believes that that was that believes the Vooch trade was a good move for the Bulls with the benefit of hindsight. I don't think there's another person in the NBA who would look at that Vooch deal right now and say, well, that was a good move for the Bulls, doubling down on their sunk cost and extending Nikola Vucevic. How did Arturis say the Vooch trade was a good trade after he had already blown up in his face and after he had already put himself in a compromised position for both resigning Vooch and then somehow building a decent roster around Vooch. So this guy is just so completely lost on how to build a good team. And even if the Bulls were to do a full teardown, which is what I think they absolutely need to do, starting with Zach Levine and closely followed by his best trade chip, Alex Caruso, closely followed by DeMar DeRozan, who I'm so afraid that they're going to resign. And then Vooch, I mean, if anyone will take him, trade him, keep him for another year, and then trade him, who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Even if they were to go down that path, I have no faith in Arturis to, like, draft and develop players the right way. And if the Bulls were to tear this shit down to the studs and do a proper rebuild. The first thing our tourists would need to do is hire some additional members of the front office to scout, to help them the draft. And obviously with player development as well, whether that's on the coaching staff in the front office, uh, wherever those people come into play, because our tourists is like truly throwing darts blind, blindfolded when he's picking in the draft. It's, almost impossible to believe that in the first few years of his career, Arturis Karnaschovas could make a worse draft pick than Chandler Hutchison. But there is no doubt that Dalen Terry has been a worse NBA player 
than Chandler Hutchison. He can't get on the floor at all. Uh, Patrick Williams, I'm a little bit sympathetic to Patrick Williams. I think he's going to have a, a decently long NBA career. I don't think he has any star upside, but is the number four pick in the draft, taking him over Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain. Uh, the list goes on. I mean, that is just uh, a huge disaster for Arturis, both his lack of development and the pick in general. Haven't gotten much out of uh, Marco Simonovic, <laughs> so that's another fail pick. And uh, yeah, I just don't trust him in the draft. I don't think he's good in the draft at all. I think that he has. This is one thing Darnell said today. You know, AK he buys high and he sells low, and I think that he just has no sort of uh, he has no grasp on just like the value of NBA players and when to move on from them. Anyone listening to this podcast can tell you they should have traded DeMar DeRozan at the trade deadline last year. Jason and I annually record a very angry trade deadline podcast where we pound our fists on the table and say, fire everyone. This team fucking sucks. And then by the offseason, we talk ourselves into it again. And we think, "Eh, if everything goes right, they could win 43 games. But uh, I think our tourist stinks. I think they should fire him, and I think they should fire Mark Eversley. And the best thing about Arturis is that he wasn't a good enough player himself to actually play in the NBA. So there's no loyalty to him. He never hit a shot to win the 1993 NBA Finals. And, uh, you know, he's not one of these cronies like Gar Foreman who can somehow stick around for 20 years and will one day have a practice facility named after him. So the best thing the Bulls could do is to fire Arturis, to hire someone else, literally anyone. And think, okay, let this guy clean up the mess and let's do a proper rebuild. Because with Arturis at the controls, I can't help but think that the Bulls are going to be running in place for a long time. They will be constantly searching for shortcuts and coming up empty for answers. So I guess like is now we get into like the next part of this, which is how the hell do the Bulls get out of this mess that they're in? What should they be looking for in these trades? If not specific packages, just general ideas. Uh, and sort of how should they go about constructing the next roster? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Do, do you guys, as people who follow the team, uh, do you think that, do you have faith in the front office to, uh, you know, dig themselves out of this? Do you think that this is a situation that can be patched up? Do you think it needs a full-scale teardown the way that I believe that it does? Or do you think, well, you know, maybe there's some decent things to work with, and after you move Levine, maybe you move uh, maybe you move Caruso, maybe you keep Caruso, who's to say, that, uh, you know, you can get this thing back to respectability, which I truly believe is all the Bulls want. They just want to be respectable. They want to be so mediocre that nobody even notices them and they can just fly right under the radar. But somehow they continue to be a national, dare I say, international embarrassment at the highest levels about six out of every seven years. So what do you guys think about the front office? Am I being too harsh? Do you think that uh, Arturis deserves another chance here? Would it be too rash to fire him? Jason, I'll start with you since Steph looks scared. I mean, <laughs> no, too rash. No, I mean, there's a ton of, uh, whatever it is, black marks on the resume that are, I mean, the Vooch, the Vooch stuff in general. I mean, going back to the initial Vooch trade, I mean, I will admit, like, I thought I was happy that they, like, did something because they were running in place then. And, like, all right, we're going to, we make this move. Clearly, in hindsight, it has not worked out. It has turned out really bad. The magic have blown by. You talk about those, that quote that Vooch, that, AK had about oh that trade was a success. The Magic are what now second in the East, third in the East, and the Bulls are one of the worst teams in the NBA. And the picks, those picks turned into Franz Wagner and was it what was the other one? Was it this year? Was it Jet Howard? Jet Howard, yeah. Uh, obviously Franz is awesome. Wendell Carter Jr. I know he's hurt right now, but he's basically was probably on par with Fuchs last year, or at least close. Fuchs had actually did have a decent year last year, but he's just fallen off so much. He's been just a total disaster this season. Uh, it's totally fallen off the map, and that was what I was worried about with that contract. After a contract year, him just kind of mailing it in, and that's kind of what's happened. But yeah, I mean, the magic have blown past them. Uh, so like, so all the Vooch stuff, re-signing him, and then just the lack of activity. You mentioned like lack of creativity, like laziness. We have been banging this drum since they made whatever the Vooch trade, the Vooch trade, Caruso signing Alonzo Demar. Since then, they have done basically the bare minimum that a front office can do. They've made, I think, one trade since that offseason, and it was to get and they traded two draft two seconds to draft Julian Phillips. Uh, we'll see how that looks. Julian Phillips, energy guy, is a rookie. I mean, he's obviously not ready to play, but we'll see what how he turns out. But I think that's the only trade. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that right, Steph? Ricky, is that the only trade they've made since the Demar AC Lonzo offseason? Right? I don't know. Right. Either way, 
I think that I, I think that's remember. right because we've complained about their trade deadlines. You mentioned we bang our fists and say, "Why didn't the Bulls do anything?" Yeah, they they just have done nothing, and their signings have been all just cheap. Javon Carter and Torrey Craig, which we liked, they have been awful. Those two guys have been terrible the last couple of weeks. Uh, Goran Dragic, Andre Drummond, Drummond still around. He's he's a perfectly fine backup center, but like meaningfully good. No, and Goran Dragic obviously turned into a disaster after basically one good month. Uh, Tristan Thompson was the waiver buyer. Tristan Thompson making plays back with the Cavaliers this season, unbelievable. Uh, but they've just done nothing to address since the Lonzo injury. Basically, have done nothing to address what's the ails this roster. So they've done nothing. So like. They've, I don't know. There's like nothing on the res on their resume that says, oh yeah, they should get another chance here. Could you, uh, Ricky, you mentioned excuses like the Lonzo injury obviously has been a tough situation. Like they put this roster together thinking Lonzo would be a major connecting piece at point guard, but that was whatever two seasons ago at this point, and they've done just like almost nothing meaningful to replace the Lonzo absence. They they waited. They basically waited to, because they thought Lonzo would be back last season. It just seems like everything they've they've been so reactive and passive with everything in terms instead of being proactive. Sometimes making moves isn't good to just make moves. I think I feel like we've seen that with like Troy Weaver made a lot of moves and a lot of them suck and the Pistons are now a total joke. But like you just got to do something a little more, especially when the Bulls were actually good the year that whatever the one year that they were decent, they basically did nothing to upgrade uh, and they've done like nothing, basically nothing since. So I'd be fine firing them. It's obviously not going to happen. Uh, I don't know because the, for, for uh, the ownership's probably just not going to do it. Even if AK doesn't have uh, the, whatever the, the John Paxson allure with the game winning NBA final shot, but ultimately, yes. I mean, what, what this front office has done and the lack of just the lack of everything basically <laughs> since that one off season, would suggest that they are deserving of being fired, but it's obviously not going to happen. So that's me, Steph. Your thoughts? Is it too rash to fire any GM after three years, Steph? I'm going to go against Grain here. I'm going to say they should not fire him because 2025 draft, Ricky, as you know, is going to be loaded. The Bulls need to be really bad. <laughs> it is hard to build a team as badly as our tourist corner service has built the Bulls. <laughs> Even when the Bulls were trying to tank, Gar Foreman told me in Summer League, I said, uh, good luck this year after they traded Jimmy Butler. He said, well, I hope we don't have good luck. We're trying to lose. That team won 27 games, okay? This Bulls team is on pace, again, to win 21 to 22 games. The Jazz, last year, they built their team to tank. They won 37 games, and they had to make trades at the trade deadline to get that bad. It is hard to build a team this bad. So, you know, maybe if we just tell... And they're AK, trying to win. <laughs> if we tell AK, hey, man, like, keep on building. Keep on building this winner. We believe in you. Then the Bulls can be a bottom four team. Get that top pick in the 2025 draft. Cooper Flag. Cooper, Cooper Flag is the only thing that's saving this thing. But, uh, yeah, in all seriousness, I mean, of course, this guy should be fired. Uh, he's done a terrible job. You guys don't even bring up because it was such a snoozer. Everybody's forgotten about it. When he first got here, the only move he made to the roster was signing Garrett Temple. Yeah. I mean, this guy's wasted so many opportunities. And didn't fire Boylan right away. <laughs> yeah. Like when you have these decision points, every decision point he's had, aside from like three of them, he's just chosen to do nothing. And uh, that just doesn't work. Like you're competing against 29 other people. The league is very dynamic. It's always changing. So you have to be on your toes. You know, he's going to use this excuse that whatever, I built this great team. The Lonzo injury happened. We were in first place. 
But that stuff happens to every single team. Just like, like the Derek. Every team has injuries. When Derek got hurt, if Derek didn't yeah. go down. <laughs> like your your plan A is never, ever, ever going to happen. Like you need to make adjustments because things around you are constantly changing. And if you don't have that understanding, then you're just not living in reality and you're like not a good GM. So the fact that he is so slow to ever adjust to anything and he just seems like paralyzed, like decision paralysis or paralysis of like, uh, fair fear of failure or something like this guy just never does anything unless he has months to plan it out. Uh, that's, that's just like not the way to succeed in the NBA. I've never, I can't think of a single example of like that working or anyone even like attempting to try that because it's just like, so obviously not a good plan. I, I feel like that was like painted um, as like a positive. I'm too like, he's such a deliberate patient thinker and he's going to go over everything before. I think, I feel like that, that was what was like, mentioned about the boiling thing it's like that would have been the easiest thing to just come in and be like jim thank you for your time like i'm going in another direction but he waited however long oh because he wanted to evaluate jim boy like what the fuck are you evaluating there man like you saw what happened here he's awful although that is this is hey, USA, USA basketball, uh, coach, of the USA year, basketball coach of the year jim boylan so i guess he's got the last laugh but like that that was just a huge red flag to begin with was i need time to evaluate jim boylan no i mean Unless that was like ownership telling him, but then that's also a red flag. You're going to, whatever, just go fire him. Like I'm the, I'm the president here, vice president. Like I don't want this guy around. He's terrible. I don't need to evaluate him. But he had to do that whole song and dance where I'm evaluating Jim Boylan. Like, and that's kind of just been the the thing It's just like, oh, I need this time to evaluate. And this report now, I want time to evaluate the roster after a Levine trade. It's like, what do you else do you need to see? I mean, that could be posturing. We know a lot of time, this time stuff this time of year is posturing. Uh, and maybe it will be. We'll see what happens. But like, it's just kind of more of the same. Like, I want. I want to think it's posturing. But like, I think like a lot of stuff that AK says and what he does, it's kind of all points to the same. Just lack of initiative, lack of uh, pro product uh, proactiveness. It's been all reactive. It's all been just way too passive as in terms of a, a lead exec. Yeah, I mean, when you talk, go ahead, Steph. I, this guy, AK, he had whatever twenty years. To think of a plan like while he was waiting for his first GM job and his one idea was to trade for Nikola Vucevic like whatever team he was going to get the the reins on he was going to make that trade and then that was it that was the whole plan like he has nothing else behind it poor man's Jokic he was with Denver and he's like I need to get my Jokic and he decided that that was Vooch and there we and there we go yeah so I, I just think he's all out of ideas so we gotta you know try something else and I think that, like, at this point, we've hit the boiling zone where nothing we're watching can actually be evaluated because the vibes are just in the toilet. So to say, like, all right, we're going to see if maybe Javon Carter, who's on the first year of a three-year deal, maybe he could be a solid rotational guard for the Bulls for the next couple of years. Like, none of this shit matters anymore because the best player on the team quit by telling you he wants a trade. Vooch has more or less semi-retired already. He's like barely giving any effort. He fucking sucks on both ends of the court. The fact that Vooch framed this or Vooch's agent framed this is a hometown discount. Do you guys remember that? When Vooch said, I'll give the Bulls a hometown discount by signing a $60 million contract. Give me a fucking break. On no that. one else was giving him that. Guaranteed. No one else was giving him that. The Bulls bid against themselves, which is an Arturis special. Traded a first round pick for DeMar when he was a free agent. It's an Arturis special, and gave him like as again. Demar has earned the earned the money. He's bad. He's been bad this season, but like last two seasons, Demar was legit awesome, and he was. I mean, the two years ago was truly a special season for him, especially. But like, 
who was giving DeMar that money? Nobody. Like, there were people talking about him taking, like, an MLE with, like, the Lakers or Clippers. And then the Bulls come swooping in with $27 million a year, and they trade a first-round pick for him. Like, uh, again, he's way – he obviously would have way outplayed that he outplayed the money, the contract that he did get. But, like, no one else was giving him that deal, clearly. And the Bulls just like, oh, well, here you go. Here's this huge contract. And here comes a first round pick going to the Spurs. So it's like, yeah, it's like it seems like they've almost gone like out of their way to be player friendly with a lot of these like negotiations and just like giving them the farm, whether it's this Vooch guaranteed deal, whether it's all the player Io options, getting they, seven million, Io getting that all the player options. They gave Zach the full boat, Max, and like with like no qualms there. It's like they basically are, are like defaulting to every anything the player wants, the player gets in these negotiations and just like overpaying. uh and like, and and there's obviously you want to find a balance there, and you don't want to be like super stingy and like super cheap all the time and screw guys out of stuff because we've seen that backfire in the Bulls as well. But it just seems like they'd never win a negotiation or even like come close. It's the player gets what they want, and it's been backfiring in them a ton lately. So my two cents on the current state of the roster is that there's truly not another meaningful minute to watch with Bulls basketball this year, you could say, ah, oh, maybe Patrick Williams can grow a little bit. But God, man, even as a Pat defender, there was a moment in the Celtics game where he got Al Horford on an island and got stoned by Horford, like on three separate attacks. And I think ended up turning it over, maybe passed it. I don't, I don't remember that how it ended, but it was just another example that like, there's nothing really on this roster worth keeping. I would say that, Pat is the only guy I would keep long-term. Maybe Io, but like Io's not moving the needle for you too much either way. He's kind of... He's fine. He, even call him just a guy is probably like the high-end outcome for Io, that he's just a guy. Uh, and I don't really think there's anything here to evaluate any further. If Arturis needs more time to evaluate it, he's fucking stupid. And I didn't <laughs> want to call him dumb on Twitter, but... The guy just seems like a dumb guy. I don't I don't really know what else to say. So that's my two cents on Arturis. He sucks. He should be fired. And if he is the leader of the Bulls front office, the Bulls are going to continue to be a sorry ass franchise. And we could blame we can blame Reinsdorf and fuck Jerry Reinsdorf. I hate Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> but as our friend Kevin Farrigan likes to say occasionally, you know, Reinsdorf, he's not exactly a meddling owner, at least not until your ego gets so big that Jerry thinks he needs to send you away from the team, whether you're Michael Jordan, Jimmy Butler, you know, Gar Foreman or whoever it is. Or if you want to go into the luxury tax. <laughs> or if you want to go into the luxury tax. You know, Jerry just kind of lets you cook. He does not even want to think about the Bulls. He just <laughs> wants someone else to take care of it. And Arturis has taken care of it in a spectacularly bad way. I really didn't think it would be possible to find someone worse than Paxson and Foreman. And to be sure, the end of the Paxson and Foreman era was an outright disaster. And worse than this era, probably, I would say. I mean, just hiring Boylan. I mean, the Boylan stuff is so ass backwards. Incredible. You know, you squandered Lowry Markkinen. You, you, you know, made many bad draft picks and just miss on trade opportunities and they just screwed it up completely but this is really bad and when you think about the low points in bulls history post dynasty era we're thinking tim floyd era we're thinking jim boylan era we're thinking the forgotten bill cartwright era before they got <laughs> skiles i believe uh this is in the team picture i'm not saying that this is the most depressing the franchise has ever been but i think that you know 
while it's hard to top going from the best team ever to Tim Floyd, I think that this is in the this is in the team photo. So I mean that teams those teams obviously sucked, lost a ton of games, but at least there was still like a specter of, oh, we have what Elton Brand or we have Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Like obviously they didn't like they didn't turn out that great, but there was like some hope still kind of. And right now it's just like again, it's Patrick Williams in year four who's like totally he's getting he's finally getting the regression on his shooting, which is nice. But like again, he's right now he's a guy. He's like a nice role player. Like there's just like no hope with the young guys and then the they have aging veterans and then they have a guy who wants out. It is very, this is super depressed. Like overall, like a team that thought that they were trying to win, which we obviously didn't think they were going to be that good. I did not think they would be this bad. Uh, my, that $150 that I had put down on the over 37 and a half, whatever it is, that is looking like that's going straight down the drain. Uh, all of us, we yeah. all <laughs> yeah. talked ourselves into the bulls being undervalued. I mean, Jesus Christ. I thought that, I mean, give me 38 wins. And right now they're on, again, as Steph said, they're on pace for like 21, 22. If they lose tomorrow to the Milwaukee, which they probably will, they'll be five and 15. That's basically at the quarter mark. And that's 20, 21 wins. They'll be on pace for, which is embarrassingly awful like that it's so bad uh so, so yeah like this is one of the more depressing scenes like there have been some the, i mean the boiling years were like at least kind of funny i guess because it was like so it was kind of fun bad this is not fun bad this is just miserably bad so like it's it's brutal yeah i'd uh, like to think that uh you know there's there's dozens of us still watching these games and if we all just met up and made up what was happening like bulls twitter <laughs> would be none the wiser <laughs> seriously i certainly do not go out of my way honest i'm honestly if I, I i'll watch a game for this podcast but like i'm not going out of my way to watch games anymore like i get i got better stuff to do like i'll hang out with the wife watch watch something with the wife it's christmas season we watch hallmark christmas movies all this other stuff like i don't want to watch the bulls get their ass beat every night like i'll watch them when i got to but like otherwise like there's just no reason to because it's just depressing there's nothing that much uh and like if they make if they make to whatever if they make trades and they bring in some new pieces, I'll probably get a little more interested just to see how this uh, how the new pieces work and if there's any young guys to just watch a bit more. But yeah, right now you're just trying to put out this brutal product with the with the mid three, and then we can't even call them the mid three anymore because it's just they're just bad. Uh, it's just not interesting. It's ap- apathy. Is that a I get, I get mad on these podcasts, but like I don't get mad when they lose. Like I, I kind of want them to lose at this point. We need them to kind of just get bad and realize that it just needs to get blown up. Yeah, even KC had in a story today that uh, you know these games just don't matter anymore. Yeah, right. Like, like yeah, really like they can come out and they they, they can beat the Bucks tomorrow. I say they they do. They pull some shit out of their ass. Like, it doesn't matter. Like teams win teams win bullshit games all the time. That that was the thing last year when like they made a big deal out of their fourteen and nine with Beverly stuff. It's like. It was the time of year where like nobody cares. March, February, March. It's the same thing with like the the February 2019 like Lowry. Although that was like a preview of what Lowry would be later in his career when Lowry averaged like 25 and 10 and the Bulls like won some games. And it's like, oh, like here we go. This Bulls team, they're on the rise. It's like the after the trade deadline and all-star break, that was like mo- the last month or two of the season. It's just like often so random. Teams, injuries. Good teams are often mailing it in half the time. So it's like teams win games. When teams are, we, when we saw that the Bulls, even though they went 14 9, they had a few games where like they needed to win uh, or they were playing against good teams that tried and they got their ass beat. And that was more of a uh, kind of what the a microcosm of the team than 14 and 9 was. So, like, yeah, they could come out and where if they beat the Bucks tomorrow or whatever, they play the freaking Hornets. They got the Hornets and Spurs next week and in, in uh, the non 
in-season tournament games, they kind of lucked out. They're like, they win a couple there. Like, no one cares if you beat the Spurs who haven't won a game in like three weeks and the Hornets who don't have LaMelo ball. Like, they'll win a few games here and there. They might steal a few games here and there. But we know there's just no nothing that they could rely on. There's nothing that can be sustainable here. So it's like, whatever. So it was interesting that even Casey went as far to be like, this thing's cooked. They're done. Like no, nothing, no individual game basically matters at this point. Steph, how do um, we fix goals? Yeah. Yeah. Steph. So I know we, we kind of were talking about like, were there any specific trades and you're like, eh, I don't really have any super ones, but if there's a, what's been talked about out there, like there's them in the Lakers with Zach, like the Lakers stuff. Um, do you make anything about that? Like, do you think he's going to end up end up in LA? Are there any other teams that you think make some sense? Any packages out there that you at least think like uh, I can at least talk myself into this? I'm already at this point. I feel like I'm probably going to be disappointed by the, the Zach return. Maybe they'll surprise us, but I feel like we're all bound to be disappointed by it. But anything out there that's at least piquing your interest? Uh, because there's really not been much. I feel like all we've heard is like the Lakers stuff. The Lakers don't want to trade Reeves. Uh, and there's like been some other teams kind of thrown out there, but it doesn't seem like there's anything that's been like that concrete. So anything there with like the Zach trades that you're like, oh, like maybe I could get behind that. I don't think they're in quite as bad shape as uh, I guess, like the consensus opinion. You know, they are in a pick deficit, but it's only one pick. So that's definitely not the end of the world. Um, I think that's it would make a lot of sense to try to package their guys. Cause a lot of these guys like Caruso, for instance, you know, the thinking is that Caruso can definitely get one pick, one first round pick, maybe two, the bulls want to, but it seems like that's going to be kind of tricky. Well, I mean, Drummond is a guy who's probably worth like half a first round pick, right? So you package those two guys together. Maybe you can get two picks, you know, Vooch who, who the hell knows what his value <laughs> is. If it's negative, if you need to move him with someone, Whatever, like he's another guy where maybe you could pair him with a Drummond or a Caruso to get more. So, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I would just trade everyone on the roster that <laughs> has value. I think that, okay, like we can just go through it, right? Like Zach's probably worth one and a half, two picks, right? Damar's probably worth like one pick. Caruso's worth one and a half picks. Uh, Drummond, I said, was worth like half a pick. You know, that's like five picks. You know, that's like if you get five first round picks for tearing down this roster, you're in pretty good shape. I would feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you, know, you have an excess of four picks. You have all your own picks. Uh, sorry, you don't have a 2025 pick, but you have you re- you've basically replenished your your base. So I think if they do that, you know, like um, it won't. They're gonna suck again for sure because they're gonna have a bunch of young players, but. We want them to suck next year. Yeah, their outlook five years down the the road, that's a long time, I know. A very long time, especially when we haven't had good basketball in so long. But their outlook five years from now, it might not be the bad. Steph, if you think that you get five first-round picks for blowing up this roster, I think that would be very, very optimistic. I don't think you're getting anything more than like some seconds for DeRozan on an expiring deal. Maybe if there's a very late first round pick for a contender that can be traded, they would think about doing that. Someone, I think it was Michael Scotto, I think, reported, he had like a big trade column today and he talked about how the Bulls are like, a, whatever, looking for win now stuff, which is kind of what Casey said too. But I feel like he said they had like, he kind of had like execs giving like trade valuations for all these guys. And I think with Zach, it was like one pick or two. Maybe like a good a one pick and like a decent young player. I think Damari said all oh, that you might be able to get like a late first, maybe in like the twenties for him. And then the Caruso stuff, as he's mentioned, the Bulls want two, but maybe they get one 
first and then like a, a rotation guy with some potential um when we talked before right, i feel like we picks. thought what was that yeah four i, I feel would, like i'd be thrilled for, with four picks yeah i feel like looking right. for four or five i think out of all those guys would be nice if you were including drummond in that too um i guess they could try to flip javon carter somewhere too you're not getting a first for him obviously but maybe you get some i mean because they have don't the bulls have like no second rounders either aren't they like yeah. really out on those or do they have all their seconds i always I think they might that. have like one or something yeah so i mean you trade a couple of these guys for maybe some seconds to just recoup some of that pick equity and they'll probably want to keep maybe a couple veterans around just to have some vets like i mean tory craig can stay he's a vet he's fine he's you're like probably not getting much for him anyways but uh yeah i don't know so i th- i've thrown out some trades of like you know zach and ac together <laughs> So if you're trading Zach and AC together, are you thinking three first round picks, two first round picks and like a premium prospect? You know, like what would what sort of deal would make sense to package those two guys together? Because I think if you're trading Zach, sort of the offer to beat is probably going to be the Lakers offer of Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura. I guess D'Lo or Gabe Vincent in a 2029 first round pick. Of course, the Lakers are going to try to get Levine without including Reeves in the deal. But if you're the Bulls, you cannot accept that package without Austin Reeves. And even with Austin Reeves, it's probably like a C plus type of trade. Don't let Lakers fans hear that because I think according to them, Austin Reeves is better than Zach. But uh, continue. <laughs> well, then they can lose in the first round of the playoffs or get eliminated <laughs> in the play-in tournament because that's the way their season is trending, I would say. So, you know, if you're going to package those two guys together, Steph, you know, are you looking for three first-round picks? Yeah, I think you're right on, like, three or two and one good prospect. I think the team that might make a little bit of sense, too, is the Warriors, who've been yep. totally free-falling. Clay looks completely washed. He makes the exact same amount of money as Zach. Um, and they just lost Gary Payton for a while. CP3 is hurt too. Which is like, that was the main impediment against them trading for Caruso. I mean, they had a ton of interest in Caruso, but they traded whatever Wiseman who turned into five second round picks. <laughs> I can't even remember like how that transaction worked out. But yeah, they, they traded a lot to get Caruso. I mean, they have a lot of interesting young players. I mean, I think Moses Moody is very interesting. Kuminga, I'm not really high on him, but whatever, he's got a good draft pedigree. Um and the boy pods. Don't pods. forget about Brandon Pajemski. Yeah. is awesome. Fighting a line-eye legend. James. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like this is the last year probably they have around Steph, who's playing at a at a top top seven, I would say level, maybe better top five. Um, to waste that would be kind of a shame. Wiggins has been terrible for them too. Draymond's been terrible, so they definitely need help. They need to. I don't know, they've been like straddling this these these two paths for so long and it just hasn't been working. So I just kind of wonder if they just push their chips in and and try to move some of these guys, especially because Clay's a, a free agent. So I mean, like he's I don't it's gonna be tricky what happens with him. Yeah, so like year. if if I mean to say that example, like if you tried to package Zach and Caruso for them, like what do you need back? Do you think they would trade both Kaminga and Moody? And then like I don't know what their pick situation is. They exactly. don't have a lot of picks. I think they only have they have one and they can move another one if they change the protections they owe one to Memphis. But yeah, I mean, so, like, yeah, I would take two other young prospects, three other young prospects and a pick. Like, I think that would be a great trade for the Bulls. And we're talking here, Levine and Caruso. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I bet they would like I want both two picks. Yeah. I want two picks minimum with Pajemski and with probably Moody. Moody. 
And with yeah. Mo- Kaminga has not, I feel like Kaminga has not been that good this week. I know he can't shoot for shit. So like uh, Moody can. So it'd be nice to have someone who could actually shoot the ball. Um, let me, uh, I'm looking up draft details and look up these with their pick situation is like, I think you are definitely right about that protection on something, but um, let's see. They are out their 2024 pick. They are out there 2030. So they actually might, they're out 2024 and 2030. So I think they actually have more. They have 2026 and 2028, I think. Yeah, but they can't trade the 2026. And oh, because of the, protections. the protections on there. Right, but yes. I mean, they could do it. Yeah. Yeah, not, yeah. It wouldn't be that hard. Yeah. So, yeah, if you have those two picks available and then maybe two picks and two of those young guys, like for Zach and AC. Let's do it. Call it in. Talk yourself into it. I do wonder if they, I wonder if they think, like, if they maybe go for, I think I've seen them, but whatever, like the Pascal or like OG stuff, and they look for more, whatever, two way guys that they don't think Zach is the answer. But they clearly just need more scoring around stuff because Clay just doesn't have it anymore. Zach and that Clay role would be so good. I mean, he would. All the criticisms that he has would just go away because he doesn't have to do the stuff in crunch time. Just be like this crazy volume three point shooter. He, you know, Clay has like whatever sixty point games where he only dribbles five times. Yeah. Like that would be perfect. Like perfect we've always wanted that to happen with Zach. I don't know if like he would allow that to happen. I would hope playing with yeah like Zach would Curry. catch the ball coming off those curls, dribble four times between his legs, and then you know, <laughs> run into the wall of the defense. But I agree. I think Zach would be killer for both the Lakers and the Warriors. And I think that those are like probably the two best spots for him to thrive in personally. Caruso would be great anywhere. But again, like Warriors, he would be incredible, especially after Gary Payton II went down yep. with a torn calf today. Caruso would just be a natural replacement there. Uh yeah, I'd like both those deals. So, Steph, you watch the entire league, which is the type of phrase you need to say before you bring up the Detroit Pistons, who have now lost 15 games in a row. A lot of people would uh, be in favor of trying to get Jaden Ivey in this deal from the Pistons, who are certainly in position to make a desperation trade. Ivey's been pretty good this year. I just pulled up the box score from tonight. Not tonight. Chat one of six, but... Uh, he's been pretty solid, at least by the per 36 minute number. That team's Obviously, a mess. <laughs> very raw player. If you've watched Jaden Ivey dating back to his days at Purdue, tantalizing offensive upside. And if he hits the ceiling, maybe he can be as good as Zach Levine. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Steph, would you pursue Jaden Ivey as the crown jewel of Zach Levine package? Uh, certainly you've watched more of his college game than I have. I mean, just based on how he's played, he was actually a lot better like the second half of his rookie year. Everybody stopped watching him his rookie year because he started out just horrendously. 
But um, yeah, I mean, and like this year has been weird because Killian Hayes have been playing over him for whatever reason. Um, but I think you know he was he was drafted because he has this whatever like John Morant light skill set, right? Certainly, the Bulls need that. I mean, they desperately need athleticism on the roster. Um, yeah, I'd, I would definitely be for that trade. Like just having something interesting to watch on the court some prospect that actually has um decent star potential uh, and we could get I, james I wiseman i don't think the bulls can be picky here like you 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 keep keep on asking me like should the bulls do the straight i'm just like yes 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 <laughs> it's like they, they gotta do whatever they can here obviously yeah. every team knows that their backs are against the wall they're they're probably not going to get great value so they just i mean this is, they've been wasting so much time it's time to you know poop or get off the pod right and you know do you think they should hold on to zach until the trade deadline because then you know by that time already we've seen you know the warriors suffer an injury to the rotation with gary payton the second going down is just before we record this podcast teams start to get desperate teams you know sort of know where their weaknesses are a little bit where they don't on november 29th as we record this podcast Obviously, December 15th and then January 15th are the two dates to watch because that's when a lot of theoretical trades become legal with uh, the recently signed exceptions going away. Or do you think they should just make this Zach Levine trade as soon as possible just to like put this horrible era of the team out of its misery? Uh, Or, you know, do you hold Zach Levine hostage until February against his will? I think it's fine to wait on Zach a little bit. Um, You know, December 15th is a big day where. 88% 88% of the league is trade eligible. Like a lot of the guys, the guys that signed in the summer, they just can't be traded. I don't even know why they put that rule in. It's kind of stupid. But I do think that they need to trade Caruso like yesterday. Because yeah. this guy just cannot help himself. I mean, he's like that uh, Black Knight in the Monty Python movie, right? Where like, says it's a just a flesh wound. And he's like, a flesh wound, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like got both his arms wrapped up every game. Like he's <laughs> he's got a huge ice pack. On his crotch, he's he's got a shoulder wrapped up. Um, so I I think he's just gonna keep on accumulating all of these injuries, and <clears throat> eventually he's just not gonna be able to play anymore. He's already uh, playing through like four different things, and he's uh, I think he's doubtful for the next game. Definitely have to trade him before he um, is not able to pass a physical for another team. <laughs> yeah, they just need to sit these guys. Like I think I think Caruso, Demar, and Zach are all questionable for tomorrow. Just fucking sit them. Like why? Just why? I know they want to play, but like Demar, uh, if they play tomorrow, whatever. But yeah, like Zach and Caruso. Like Zach, you're, you got this foot injury. He's basically mailing it anyways, and he wants a trade. Just sit him. Send him home. Honestly, <laughs> like you use the injury as an excuse. It's just like you don't have to play. It's fine. Whatever. We'll don't play until you're. Until uh, we trade you or something like that. And then, yeah, if AC, I mean, even the other night, Billy, when he came out of what game was that? And Billy was like, I didn't even ask him if he could go back in. I just sat him. Protect the asset, baby. Don't don't force it when you don't have to. Just sit him if he's hurting. Like, there's just no reason to push it now with this that was team the right anymore. Like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know, like, he wants that. to get out there. He's like, these guys, he's a competitor. He wants to play. But, like, at some point, it's just, it's just going to hurt him. It's going to hurt the team. The Bulls, it's going to hurt the team. They're just the asset in terms of trying to trade them. So, yeah, like I would just sit these guys. Like I said, I know it's not that simple, not that black and white, but uh, if they're hurting, just freaking use that as an excuse to sit them. Yeah. And I totally agree on moving Caruso just because, like, for exactly what Steph laid out, he just is such an injury risk every time he takes the floor. He has a ton of value right now. 
What I would do is I would call up every team in the league and say, we are trading Alex Caruso. <laughs> Bidding war, by baby. December 15th, December 16th, give me your best offer. Whoever makes the best offer, he's going to be traded. And that's the best way to do this. The only reason not to do that would be to package him with Levine for a bigger deal. Uh, but I would love to see the Bulls set a deadline for Caruso and trade him. I have been hearing from some people in my life who think, you know, there's no point of getting rid of Caruso unless you get two first round picks, unless you get a great package. I totally disagree with that. For one, once the season is over, Caruso will only have one more year left on his contract. So the team that would acquire him this year would have two playoff runs with him. The, the Bulls have to learn from their mistakes. I really think learning from your mistakes is like one of the big keys to life. Obviously, uh, everyone messes up in their life, but you can't keep making the same mistake every single time. And the Bulls made a mistake last year by keeping DeMar through the trade deadline when, hypothetically, we'll never know his actual value because our tourist doesn't do shit ever. But hypothetically, DeMar should have had more trade value at the deadline a year ago where a team could have had him for two playoff rounds. You absolutely cannot hold on to Caruso past this trade deadline. And I truly believe that as of today, Arturis would prefer not to trade Alex Caruso or he will have to get bowled over by an offer to trade Alex Caruso. This is fucking stupid. He needs to trade Caruso as quickly as possible before that precious asset starts to deteriorate by separating his shoulder, tearing his knee, tearing his elbow, doing whatever, because he plays 120 miles an hour at all times. So get rid of Caruso as quickly as you can. And I get very upset when people say that, you know, maybe they should keep Caruso to be a cultural leader within the locker room. No, there's nothing worth saving here. <laughs> and if you really care about Caruso as a human being, this dude is such an amplifier on the court and deserves to be playing in Playoff high leverage minutes, yeah. high leverage games. And that's just not going to happen in Chicago while he's still under contract. And by the way, if they do keep him, through his he's not contract, staying. He's not going to resign here. No. Yes, he will prioritize money over anything else, and maybe there's a number where the Bulls could give him so much money that he would come back, which would also be stupid. <laughs> but if it's anywhere near similar, he's going to go to a real team. The yeah. Bulls are not a real team. It's going to be his last big contract, almost certainly, given his health injuries. So, and he's what, 28, 29? Like, he's got one nice contract left, probably. So, like, why would he waste it with the Bulls? I was looking at the leaders in three-point percentage today, and I can't remember what exactly he was. I think he was like 15th or something. I mean, he's still he's shooting the crap out of shooting like 73%. Yeah, I mean, he started, like, as of, he's cooled off, like, the last week or two, but, like, he was at, like, 60% shooting from the field and, like, 50% from three, like, a month into the season. And it's yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's another reason why you got to trade him, because, I mean, we know that's not going to last. And yeah, it's, thing, it's already started coming back down. Yeah, his big thing has always been like he's he's shown a decent percentage last year too, but he hasn't been willing to take them. Yeah, and that's another reason why you know the Bulls have had offensive problems. But he's been willing to pull them. Like I, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure he's and he's averaging. hit some big clutch threes. I think like as of like a couple like a week or two ago, like he was like four or five from three in the clutch. He had the the one against the Raptors that won that game. Like yeah, he's, he's hit a few them. other ones. Like the Heat game, he had I think it was him who put them ahead. Uh, in the big heat comeback game, he had a big three, like a tough contested threes. Like he's been willing to take some big threes and hit and hit some big threes. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just know how valuable he is. And yeah, we want to see him on a team that actually matters. Want to see him playing playoff basketball and annoying the hell out of other 
teams, guards, and all that. Was he super fun to watch? And you don't want to watch him though on a loser, miserable ass team. So free Alex Crusoe, baby. Get him out of here. Get him to a winner. Get some good draft picks for him. Well said. And on that note, uh, anything else you wanted to bring up, Ricky? We've been going for a while here. I think like we'd probably wrap it up unless you got anything else. Yeah. Steph, I was going to ask you some league-wide questions yeah. quickly. But uh, sure. before we get into that, is there anything else Bulls-wise you want to mention here? Yeah, any final Bulls thoughts you got here as we uh, move forward here with this depressing team? Not really. I mean, I yeah. think we covered it. Like, I, you know, I keep on watching the games for some... I don't even know why. <laughs> I'm still watching... I'm not watching the full games anymore, but I'm catching quarters here and there. Um, better than yeah. mo- better than most. For those people that guess. aren't watching, which I'm sure is most of the listeners, like you guys are not missing anything. Uh, Steph, I value your take on the NBA as much as any analyst around, from Zach Lowe, Nikias Duncan, anyone else there is. So I remember your preseason championship prediction was Celtics over Warriors. Uh, yeah. And the calendar <laughs> turns to December. <laughs> What is your championship prediction now? Or I'm actually going to ask what's your final four prediction for the NBA playoffs and not the in-season tournament. So like, where do you see sort of like the conference title games and the, uh, you know, the champ, the NBA finals looking right now for 2024? Uh, Well, I mean, I think the Celtics are by far the favorites um, in both conferences. You know, they're just from a statistical profile, they are blowing everyone out of the water. And then when you watch them play, I mean, they're just head and shoulders above what anyone else has done this year. The Bucks are in second place in the East, but I don't really believe in them. Like, broad watch. We've been, we've been <laughs> yeah, broad watching the Bucks for like two or three years now. <laughs> yeah, I actually think the Sixers have played better than them, even though they are one win behind in the standings. And, you know, the Sixers obviously have the ability to make a upgrade if they want to. I think they will because Daryl Morey has been very consistent on this 5% theory where if he thinks this team has a 5% or greater shot at winning the championship in a given year, he thinks that you just have to go all in. And he's done that. Like he's made trades at the deadline to improve his team most years. So I think they are probably the second best team in the East and they're going to get better at the trade deadline. I would say those are probably going to be my Eastern Conference finals picks with the Celtics uh, going to the finals and winning the whole thing. Out West, um, you know, the Nuggets are in second place, but they've been missing Jamal Murray for a lot of the year. He came back tonight. Um, I haven't checked to see how they're doing, but they, I think they were like a little bit better than 500 with him missing, maybe like six and five or something. And they were awesome. They were just steamrolling everybody uh, when they had him and Jokic. So, I think they're like pretty clearly the best team in the Western Conference. The Wolves, um, they're in first place, 13 and four. Yeah, they're a pretty interesting team. Um, you know, I think their defense is for sure legit. They just have so, so many impact defenders. You know, Kyle Anderson's very underrated. Gobert, he was not, I mean, he kind of like took a step back last year, but he's like back to defensive player of the year caliber this year. Um, yeah, Jaden McDaniels is obviously great. Um, and then the Mavs are the other team that's right up at the top of the standings. I also think they're like kind of frauds. Like I don't believe in them at all. I think they've had like whatever, just like a soft schedule and kind of lucky, no depth, um, relying a lot on just like unproven players. And uh, Derek Jones Thunder, Jr. Uh, playing a big role. Yeah, he's Mavs. like he's kind of slowed down though. Like he started off the year awesome and he's yeah. kind of slowed down. Yeah, the Thunder are good too, but I think they're like you know a little. A little bit away still. So that's Ricky. That was Ricky's Western Conference Finals pick this year to go there. 
right, Ricky? Well, yeah, I was going to get into that since I called out Steph on his uh, yeah. Warriors NBA Finals prediction. I made some predictions at the start of the year, which included Zach Levine starts the All-Star game. Yeah. Daryl Morey quits the Sixers. I don't think that's going to happen after Tyrese Maxey's star leap. The Sixers look pretty good. Victor Wembanyama, all-star and all-defense. He's not even going to win Rookie of the Year, let alone qualify for those other two. But I did have Thunder Western Conference Finals, and I do wonder if the Josh Giddy situation is going to sort of ruin the momentum there for Oklahoma City. I watched the game last night against the Wolves. Tremendous game all around. But every time Josh Giddy touched the ball, the Minnesota crowd was booing his ass hard and you know you just wonder if this is going to be something that i don't want to even say a distraction but just like is this going to be something that sort of shortcuts uh their momentum this year so i still love the thunder i think chat is incredible to me they're number one so in good. the west in point differential plus 7.7 <laughs> yeah the thing about giddy too is like he hasn't even been good this year yeah right. he hasn't shot the ball well his defense kind of sucks um i was a huge giddy fan before all this like weird stuff came out you know i kind of wanted the bulls to trade for him but now obviously i mean like it's whatever it's like kind of gross um <laughs> yeah. yeah but i wonder like how much they would even miss giddy if um they sat him or traded him for something else just as you said ricky i mean chat has been unbelievable i mean just like the his guard skills like his ball skills <laughs> like he uh he probably turns it over in a week as much as Patrick Williams does in like 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> just like really good handle, really good spin moves up and under moves, uh, such, such high finesse. He's almost like a seven, one Lonzo ball. <laughs> I mean, he's just like a connective piece that's seven, one and can anchor an elite defense on the other end as a rim protector. So yeah. And Shay's got even and better. Shay's too. an MVP candidate. He's awesome. Yeah, so I Absolutely mean, the top, three, the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, top three teams are probably Nuggets, Wolves, and Thunder. I'd probably go Nuggets, Wolves to answer your question, then Nuggets advancing. Nuggets, finals. by the way, are up 17 at half. They put up 76 in the first half on the Rockets uh, but, with Jamal Murray back. So <laughs> it's going to be a great finals if it's Nuggets, uh, Celtics. I mean, yeah. it's going to be super fun. I get, what do you think about the, the Suns? Bradley Beal, I think the, it looks like the Wizards sold the Suns a lemon, uh, but Booker is awesome, and obviously they have KD. Where would you peg them? And because they're, they lost tonight to the Raptors, but they're eleven and seven. They have not had Beal. They've I think they're eight and two with Booker in the lineup or something like that. So like him and KD together are still really good. But that's obviously the group that basically they had last year. And the Nuggets I think beat their ass. Uh, I think they won in six. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, but. shout out to uh, Ricky's former colleague at SB Nation, Michael Pena, who wrote a story at the Ringer today titled headline was uh i think it was like is devin booker, devin the, booker best? Is the best point guard in the nba i love yep. that headline yeah spicy i love that too <laughs> it was a good story too yeah give it a read uh of course michael earned the ire of bulls fans for last year saying the bulls are the most depressing team in the nba we all said you're crazy and it turns out he was 100 right he was so right so yeah maybe he's right on this one again although I mean, didn't I he say didn't he say this year the Bulls would host the first round series? I think he said that. In like a, that was like, yeah, a, that was like a spicy take. Yeah, like a hot take yeah, article. You, know, like, yeah. you never really think those are going to come true. But yeah, <laughs> as far as the Suns go, I mean, it's impossible to say. Like, we haven't seen them, so you can't You just throw stuff out there, but it's not going to have any meaning, like yeah. what your evaluation is. Yeah. All right. Well, Steph, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for taking the time to yeah. chat about the most depressing team in the NBA, the team with the worst future. 
the team with the worst owner and the team with the worst front office. It's your Chicago Bulls. Only the are, Bulls. are they are they more depressing than like the Wizards and Pistons who played a terrible game the other day? Like the Pistons obviously I have would, some interesting young players, but they're they are in a really bad spot with just how things are looking. And the Wizards are just a, a total laughing stock, but they do have some guys that can maybe trade. And I think they have most of their picks. So like, would you say the Bulls are the most depressing team, even more than like those joke? Just to go with the Hornets. Oh yeah. The yeah, Hornets and also. the Hornets are starting Miles Bridges, so they yeah, kind of right. lose that one by default. But uh, the goals the are close at the very least. They're they're in the team picture. Yeah, that's for sure. Jace, you yes, uh, Steph, uh, if you want to plug anything where people can find your work, please do. You can find me pretty much everywhere on the internet. I'm on all the platforms. I'm in the Reddit streets. I'm on the TikTok streets, Twitter, whatever. So yeah, just. Go on your phone and you'll probably see my work somewhere. <laughs> Thank you again, as always, Steph. It's always a pleasure to have you on, even when the Bulls suck. We can still have fun talking about the Bulls sucking. So thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. If you like what we're doing here at Cash Considerations, there's a ton of great other podcasts, whether it's NBA, whether it's other sports, all across the Blue Wire Network. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give, give us those five-star ratings. You can find us basically anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Digital, Google Podcasts, all those fun places. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or the place formerly known as Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. I'm at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at, at SBN underscore Ricky. Steph, I believe you're at Steph No still, I think. Yep, that's yep correct. there you go. So follow Steph as well. Um, you can, again, Ricky wrote about the Bulls today at SBNation.com. You can go check that out. And as you mentioned, he's going to have, I think, another Bulls column coming soon. Um, and also, please go check out ClutchPoints.com as well for NBA coverage and coverage of sports world as a whole. So, Thanks again to Stefano for joining us. This has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next time.